You know, Athena leadership principles include fierce advocacy, collaboration, and building relationships. Those are just three of the eight Athena leadership principles that form the Athena model. Well, Evie Smith does these naturally, and she practices these principles in her leadership every single day. In this episode, you'll understand how embracing these values have led Evie to creating a company that has become the change she wants to see. Episode number 144 starts right now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Politnikoff. And okay, so listen to this. All right, I'm just going to talk about results first before we get to our, our, to our, I just say clients. This is what she does for her clients. But before I get to the name of our guest and her firm. So she's into PR and, okay, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, Teen Vogue, Globe and Mail, The AV Club, and much, much more. So if you're a client of this agency, you have managed to, well, some of the clients have managed to get into those great publications and um, media outlets. So that's really great. So I'm speaking to Evie Smith, the founder, CEO, and lead publicist of Rebellious PR. I love the name, RebelliousPR.com. Evie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I, I did a little brief of your bio. I talked about the results that you bring for your clients. But actually, it's funny, the story on your bio is you, you actually hated PR. Rebellious mm-hmm. was your kind of your last-ditch effort to stay in the industry. And I would just love to hear you pick up on the story from there. And again, Evie, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean... I hated what I do. What can I say? I think I never set out to do PR. So I think that I always had a little bit of resentment that I ended up there. And it was really like kind of a result of I was a journalism major, journalism job, getting like kind of like a simple journalism job that was local at a local paper that would pay the bills. Like those sorts of jobs were starting to become more and more extinct. I lived in Santa Cruz and was with somebody who like wasn't super interested in moving to New York to help me pursue a career and really wanted to stay put. The local was really what my life was looking like. And, you know, I went to school in Silicon Valley, which is just about 30 minutes from Santa Cruz. And it was this beautiful time, one bubble bursting, but then, you know, as the recession happened, another bubble was forming and that was around Silicon Valley. And I just happened to accidentally have gotten myself into PR at this really sort of pivotal time. And I just really didn't love the people I worked with. I felt like, of course, I had like some amazing coworkers here and there and and, and a few really cool projects. But on the whole, I felt like I was working really, really hard and was expected to work just like at a back-breaking pace. And then I just found that it was really hard for me to relate to my coworkers. And then oftentimes it was really hard for me to get excited about my clients. But there would be these amazing opportunities to get to work with underrepresented founders or on projects that were somehow making the world a better place or with something other than like a microchip. (laughs) And that was the stuff I'd get really excited about. And what would magically happen probably to nobody's surprise is that like I would kill it on those accounts. That's when you would get like the Wall Street Journal coverage or the New York Times interview. Then I just was like, wow, if I could do this, 
on my terms and essentially create like a better agency and just really service underrepresented founders or people who are looking to make the world better. Like, I think that we would be unstoppable. And that's essentially what I did. So let's talk about, okay, culture at Rebellious PR, <laughs> because I, I, I love what you say on your bio. It says the relationships that you have with your clients, your press, your team, you value those great. You, I mean, you value those greatly. And and mm-hmm. and this from your bio at Rebellious Evie Foster's safe, uplifting spaces for employees and do the dang work. <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> so talk about that guiding philosophy that you have for your agency. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, some of this really I feel like for anybody that's played team sports and, and has been on like a really great team and it's not always about winning. It's, it's about like doing it together. And that's really what every team I've ever built, um, you know, before when I worked for other people, you know, it was always about connecting to each other first, creating trust, valuing collaboration over competition, um, and really holding space for the fact that the job is hard. And I think that in most agencies, one of the reasons why the culture is so cruddy or crappy is that this, there's this real kind of cutthroat mentality and this real idea that you're never supposed to talk about, hey, this is really hard. Like what we do is sort of magical and impossible. And yet we jump through every hoop and we're able to just like make it happen. And so some of the like founding principles of Rebellious are just like we support each other first. I have my team's back number one and our clients come after that. And I've never been shy about firing abusive clients, no matter how much money they pay us. And so that right there creates a, an economy of trust uh, within the agency that like we know that like our work matters. And that, you know, obviously we work for the client, but that it, it's, a, it's a push and pull. And so I think just in those like small tweaks, it, it's created something totally different and like a, a super inclusive, supportive, collaborative environment. Like I've never worked at a place like this before. So let's talk about the world of PR now, because I am sure <laughs> that it has changed quite a bit. And certainly, you know, publications like I had mentioned at the top, media outlets like Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all that kind of thing, all those kind of outlets are great. And it's it's wonderful to get your clients in there. But there's just so much more going on right now. You have you have influencers, you have you have people that are uh, doing podcasts like myself, and there's just so many more options now to place your clients. So maybe uh, for a client that maybe is getting into PR, like I just read a book. I can't remember because I read a lot of books. So this particular book said he was deciding whether or not he should take on a PR firm. And his friend from college said, he said, well, I'm not famous. so I don't need a PR firm. She said, that's exactly why you need a PR firm. So, <laughs> so at any rate, so maybe you could, you know, for people that are maybe in that gentleman's boat or like, well, I don't know if I need PR. Maybe you could talk to people about the world of PR, what they can expect, and maybe what some illusions are and realities at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I think the important thing is that PR, like if you have a product, a company, a persona, and you're doing marketing around that, you're building brands, um, it's really important to like activate all the pieces of the marketing pie. It feels like we're adding more pieces in there uh, every few years. Like I, I, not to date myself, but social media was a brand new thing when I first started my career. And there was like a lot of debate about like where, where social media management fell into. And now we're looking like, as you mentioned, like influencer and influencer relations and micro influencer relations and macro influencer relations. 
But that aside is that I think it's really important for as somebody is examining like why or why not to have PR, it's like if you're doing marketing, you should have PR. It's as simple as that. And then I think I think from there, it's really all about figuring out budgets, <laughs> number one, but then like figuring out like how much of your marketing budget is going to be dedicated to PR. Are you going to be a very like PR first brand, meaning are you looking for a lot of like earned media? And I know that's like a very jargony way to say like articles that are written by journalists about your brand or yourself. So people say it has like a more organic feel versus advertising, which is like, we all know what advertising is. So it it really kind of depends, I feel like on the character of the brand, but I feel like anybody that's doing any marketing, 100% should be, PR should be included in that effort. Um, It's a very old, marketing piece of the pie, but there's nothing, we always talk about it in PR arena, rebellious and granted, we're we're a little bit woo as PR is more than just like an advertisement. It's like the feeling you get when people think about your brand. Do they have positive feelings? Do they have warm feelings? Do they have negative feelings? Every step of the way that it took to create those feelings from social media, listening to people on podcasts or reading about them in the New York Times, all of that has been carefully curated by a PR team. So I think that good PR, you don't even realize that it's happening. (laughs) And that's why I think a lot of people are like, I don't need PR. Like they don't really like, they don't realize that like PR essentially touches every single part of their life every day. And people and people don't really understand. I mean, some do, but some are, don't really understand like information is set. And I want you to react to this information is at our (laughs) fingertips these days. I mean, they're at, Mm -hmm. I I expect like when, especially when I'm making a, a decision on, and especially when it becomes a kind of a major purchase or even though minor purchases, you know, sometimes I'll look at online reviews and what people are saying Mm -hmm. about the company and all those types of things. And I think that people expect to have that information at their fingertips and the brands that don't do that, the brands that are, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to have an advertisement and they'll come to my website and everything will be fine. That is way old school thinking because if your story is not out there, if you are not telling why the customer should care about you and care about your brand, more importantly, why the brand cares about you, the customer, then you're really invisible to people these days. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... A hundred percent. And I, I think that what happens is brands will see is that like some a really cool company will have something really awesome and they'll get a lot of press people reaching out to them directly in that moment. And so they might have like a really successful launch without really having to have hired a PR firm or having to try. But the, the issue then lies in what's next, because that journalist isn't always just going to land, isn't always going to come back to you. And also you're busy running your company. So maybe that journalist has moved publications and there's somebody else now at that beat. There's all these little details and these nuances that your PR agency or your internal PR person keeps track of and really fosters those relationships. But I think people kind of get like this false taste in their mouth of like, oh, like we don't need to do active PR because we're so interesting. But like you do if you want to have a company next year. That's sort of the secret. So we have a couple of minutes left before we roll into our last few questions. So why don't you give me an elevator pitch to maybe somebody that you're just talking to at a networking event or something like that, I guess pre-COVID networking events, because everything <laughs> is Zoom or Microsoft Teams these days as we record this, it's September 2020. But let's talk about like what you might say to somebody, like maybe you're uh, talking to a CEO and they're deciding, you know, she's deciding on does she want to 
bring PR into her company or not? And what would you be telling her? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, think about where you want to be next year and what that means for your customer base, what that means for your investors or potential people that could be acquiring your company, and also what that means for potential talent. And it's really hard to activate all three of those groups without being super strategic. And PR is a really awesome organic way to have uh, strategic messaging that will essentially accomplish all the goals that you want to hit in the next year. Um, as far as, as growth, attraction, feelings, reputation management, there's really no reason not to do it. Well, let's talk about resources that you might like to point people at. Now, of course, uh, I'm going to have links to your website and all those other good things. So it's rebelliouspr.com. Pretty easy mm-hmm. to remember. But of course, it'll be in the notes section of your podcast as well. But Evie, what are some other things that you'd like to point people at that you think might be helpful it doesn't even have to be related to the pr world can be just things that personally inspire you in business so the floor is yours to tell us about some uh, resources that you might recommend yeah absolutely i think one thing that i get super inspired by and that i find is a really good resource and a resource for some of my other like lady ceo friends is being a part of or discovering where in your local area there is um like female-centered programs specifically to help with business growth. And so in Portland, there's an organization called Accelerate, spelled with two X's, and they run both an accelerator program as well as they have a fund to help connect female-owned and operated startups with funds. I would not be here without them. And so I, I feel like they are, you know, one part community, one part fund, one part accelerator learning hub, but I think they are not the only thing out there that's like that. And I feel like there's, depending on where you are in your like metropolitan city, there's probably like other organizations like that, but Accelerate is an amazing resource for information. And especially as we're living in this digital hub, I can see their community potentially growing outside the Portland area. I feel like people who inspire me that I keep eyes on um, in the business world, basically like anything that Arlen Hamilton touches, I feel like turns to gold. I know she has a new book out. And also, you know, I subscribe to like everything that Backstage Capital puts out, you know, from from the newsletter front. I just think that she is like a true rebel, which, of course, is, is my love language. And I feel like she is really shaking up the VC world and really changing like who's getting funding and how. And her accelerator program is, is truly inspirational as well. Other than that, I really try to not just think about my business 24-7, which is very hard. So I really love going outside. I'm really big into physical fitness. I did like to go to the gym and go to like CrossFit previous to COVID. And obviously, I think CrossFit got canceled and all of the happenings of this year. So I would just say lift weights to be safe. (laughs) And then I find that like a lot of you know, based on the kind of work that we do and the kinds of founders that we work with, I'm really inspired by activism. I'm really inspired by people who are changing the world. We actually just read an amazing book in our social justice book club by Audre Lorde called Sister Outsider. And she herself was an, like an amazing activist and just her ideas were so ahead of their time that, you know, I think for us and the kind of work we do, we all we all just got like a ton of inspiration and energy from, from reading her writing. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Spent a lot of time bouncing between outlets and on Twitter, but try my best not to do, uh, what do they call it, doomsday scrolling, and just try to do my best to stay optimistic in this time that I can. <laughs> no, that's great. A great list of resources there. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention to you another resource that you could check out. 
and it's Athena International. And since 1982, they, they've been empowering uh, women leaders. So if you haven't had a chance to engage with them, and I'm speaking to you and the audience as well, um, <laughs> this is um, they, they're really great. Their mission is to empower female leaders, and it's a, it's a, an amazing organization. So. I had to put that in there for my partners, but I really, be- <laughs> but I really believe in Athena, and I've been doing this podcast with them for a couple years now. So they really are an incredible group of folks. So at any rate, but back to you, Evie. I'm going to give you the floor for the end of the podcast here, and um, you can close this out with whatever you'd like to say and however you'd like to address the audience. So I'm going to hand the mic over to you, and again, the floor is yours, Evie. Wow, this is like my very own TED Talk. I think the things that are feeling really important to me that I wanted to just kind of touch on today are just really empowering people to look at the ways that we do business right now. I feel like 2020 has been a really hard year and a really intense time to re-examine who we are as organizations and who we work with. But more importantly, I think we're really seeing that there are these sort of broken systems that are put into corporate America and how we build businesses. And I feel like agency, which is like, you know, where all my professional experiences, agencies are broken. It's a system purely based on competition and the manager hierarchy system feels like a little out of whack to me. And I feel like it's a system in which like bad actors um, and people who don't have good intentions can kind of like hide and succeed and fail forward. So I feel like with this sort of like reckoning of our society, not to get super heavy with this, this reckoning of society that we're having, it is a it is the time to reexamine like why why do we do business the way that we do? And is there a better way to do it? And I feel like rebellious has always been at the forefront of who we work with, why we work with them, how we build our internal business, the fact that we pay people equitably by position. These aren't hard things to do. As somebody who really just has like built the car as I've driven it, I can, I feel empowered to tell everybody like we can make things better and we don't have to have another, you know, cultural reckoning in 20 years. So I would say that's what's on my mind. That's what I would love to encourage people to do. And anybody, I encourage anybody who wants to have a conversation about this with me. I am, my door is open, so to speak, but like not really because COVID. So, well, yes, your virtual door, but hopefully is this podcast. My virtual door is always open. Hopefully is this podcast airs because this will be airing sometime in spring, summer of 2021. Oh God. And yeah, yeah. So I'm so far ahead on these. It's been a blessing actually that these podcasts have been, so popular and i have great guests. yeah yeah absolutely and it's been great but great guests like yourself and evie smith founder ceo lead publicist of rebellious pr and consulting check them out at rebelliouspr.com and you'll be able to get hold of evie there links will be provided for you and evie thank you again so much i know you're a very busy person you're squeezing me in today <laughs> and i thank you so much for joining us this week Yeah, of course. Thank you. On next week's show, I'll be doing a special interview with Gwen Young, the Chief Operating Officer of the Women's Business Collaborative, and Paulo Tate. You've heard her on this show before. In fact, she was on episode 89. She's an author, speaker, and member of the Board of Directors for Athena International. There are exciting things brewing with this podcast, and we'll let you in on what we've been working on for the last year. Looking forward to having you aboard. And you know what? We'd love to have more of your connections on board 
this podcast. Two simple things you can do. One, rate and review the podcast. Two, share the episodes you find relevant. If you could do one of the two things, it would be great. Both amazing. Regardless, we appreciate you listening. See you next week.